hurts you. He is good and he is good all the doggone time. You know, I don't know what happened. I'm just back from vacation. I mean, we literally just got off the road last night at about 10 o'clock. And I tell you, came coming. I got picked up this morning. Conversation went in the direction. Come in here with praise and worship. Come in here, listen to Minister Carol pray. I went, sir. I'm ready to fight. I tell. I'm, I mean, I mean, everything about me, like, what, what, what? Yeah, I mean, if I didn't have on this skirt, I'd be all over the ground right now. But you know. Even though we're on vacation, you're always on our minds. And as much as we try not to think and talk about y'all, we do. And we start by thinking about people we hadn't seen. We start thinking about stuff that we had found out about or whatever. Some things hurt us. Some things disappointed us. God prompted in us. Now, this is not, we're not jarring off of rumors, just some things that were just prompted in our spirit, conversations that we had. And we're in a time where the body of Christ, it's always been under attack. But as we get closer to the latter times, the enemy's going to ramp it up. And in fact, he says in these last days, even the very elect will be deceived. And see, we preached the faith message so well. And nothing against the message of faith because it's necessary, it's, it's dominant, it's who we are. But we got laxed, I believe, on the side of that in faith everything's supposed to go well. But there's a suffering for Christ. There is an endurance that we must maintain as Christians. And that's what that cross represented last week. And I'm about to get ahead of myself. Let's first just go ahead before the throne of God in prayer because I'm telling you, I am amped. I'm on 10, right? I'm on 20 right now. So just forgive me in my enthusiasm, all right? Daddy, we just thank you. This is your day. We are your people. This is your place. I am your agent. So have your way this morning. This is your word, and I know your anointing rests on your word. It is the burden-removing, yoke-destroying power of God. So I thank you that it serves as a scalpel doing operation on the hearts of your people. And where we need to grow, may we grow. Where we need confirmation, confirm. Where we need affirmation, affirm. And so, Daddy, we just thank you that not one person will leave here the same, but they will make intentional, intricate, spiritual changes for your glory in their lives so that you may be glorified in all things by this body operating as one. We thank you for it right now in Jesus' name. Amen and so be it. Y'all done got me stoked up here. Thank you. Praise God. You all give a high five to two neighbors and take your seat. Now, so, um, as I just said, we were on vacation and we went to Orlando. Welcome to all of you that are viewing us by way of social media. It's nice to have y'all in the house, though, virtually. Praise God. Um, but we were uh, on vacation in Orlando, and, you know, I thought, you know, I got dressed according to the calendar. <laughs> calendar says it's a, 
um, you know, that it's supposed to be April the what? 7th, 8th? And um, the temperature says it's still February. <laughs> Nevertheless, when I left Orlando, about 1 o'clock or so, it was 86 degrees, sunshine, <laughs> but praise the Lord. It's good to be back home, though. It's good to be back home. I'll trade 86 degrees and sunshine for 45 degrees and clouds for y'all any day. <laughs> praise God. All right, so last week, now I'm talking to the church. No shade on those that attended, maybe attend church, maybe two or three, four, five times a year. Praise God for them. They're getting something in. But now I'm talking to the church, and it's getting real. Okay? Every year we celebrate resurrection. This is the festival of the resurrection. God had all types of festivals, festivals of shelter, festivals of the Passover, festivals of the whatever it was. But last week, we celebrated the festival of the resurrection. This is the time where we tell and retell the story of what Christ did on that cross. This is the seal. This is the document. This is the confirmation of our faith. Everything that we are and everything that we believe hangs on this event that happened over 2,000 years ago. And so we told the story. Jesus came. He was born of a virgin. He was raised and he was grew in stature and wisdom and favor with God and in man. He went on to do great things. At the age of 30, he goes and his first miracle is to turn water into wine. And from there, he launches out into his ministry and he does great and mighty works. In fact, so much so that his apostle says, hey, if all the works that Jesus had done could be contained, we would not be able to fill all the books on the earth. Then it says that he, he, he says and he warns his disciples, the 12 that follow him, hey, one of you are going to betray me and I'm going to be taken before judges and I am going to be beaten, scourged, whipped. Then I'm going to be crucified. I will die. I will go to hell. I will defeat the enemy. But in three days, I will rise up again. And just to make sure you know this, I will come back and show it to you. And so we know that Jesus rose in three days, and for 40 days, he shows himself to hundreds and hundreds of people. Now what? And that's the title of this message, Now What? Because, see, Jesus had very good instructions and very good intentions on every— I mean, this thing was planned out since the beginning of time. He says in Genesis chapter 3, hey— you may have bruised his head, but he's, you may have bruised his heel, but he's about to knock your head off. And for every book after that, Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. The Messiah is coming. Emmanuel is coming. Deliverer is coming. Healer is coming. Waymaker is coming. Victory is coming. Is coming. By the time we get to Matthew, Luke, John, and Mark, he's here. So now what? Let me tell you all a little story about my vacation. Every time we go on vacation, or just when we travel, period, we always experience just some supernatural favor. You know, number one, my husband's name is BFF. Big friendly. Friendly, friendly. <laughs> my husband has had full conversations with people that don't speak English. <laughs> he has. Only when he asks them a question, they look at him, oh, okay. But my, he's just... His, his, his nickname is BFF, Big Friendly Friendly. And so uh, that's, you know, that's one large reason. But just the favor of God and just his goodness. And, but bottom line, his word is true. 
when you act in kindness, people just are compelled to do kind things for you. So while on vacation, of course, one of my favorite things to do is to what? Y'all know me so well. We go shopping. We go to one of our favorite places, and so I buy something, and it was a little too big. <laughs> Praise the Lord. And so I didn't try it on. I hate fitting rooms. If you know me, I hate fitting rooms. I don't like fitting rooms. Lisa knows. Lisa does our wardrobe a lot of times, and she, those of you who know Lisa, she's the woman behind the camera. Every year, she has to deal with my attitude because I don't want to try nothing on. So she developed a strategy. She'll go get a bunch of stuff, let me take it home and try it on, then she'll ask me what fits and stuff like that. And she's gotten so clever that she'll say, take a picture and send it to me, on you. I don't like fitting rooms. Did I say I don't like fitting rooms? We go to the store. Of course, I bought something that was too big. I had to take it back, and I go to exchange it. But that morning, I got up. I decided to go for a run, go for my little walk run. In my mind, it's running. For some of you, it may be considered walking. Don't judge me. <laughs> I sweat it. <laughs> and so when I got back to the room, my kids were ready to go. Husband was dressed. He said, I'm about to take the kids over and drop them off at the park. I said, oh, you know what? I got to make this quick exchange. We're going to be right next to that park, so let me grab the bag. I'll just ride with you, make this quick exchange, come back, take my shower, and go on with our day. Now, I'm a woman, so I give more details than some of you men may think necessary. Just bear with me. There's a point to all this. So we go, drop the kids off, go to the store. I run in, the, run in there. I grab the next size down, size down. <laughs> yes. And so, I go in the fitting room, and I lock the door. And as soon as I lock the door, I hear this, all right now. I promise you, it's like the Holy Spirit was like in my ear, and he said, all right now. And so, I'm in a hurry. And I'm just one of those people that's still developing in the fruit of patience. One of the reasons why I married my husband, besides just wanting to, is because he, is, he has the patience of Job. He is patient beyond patience. His patience make my patience look non-existent. And so I hear this, all right now. So I, this is how much I hate fitting rooms. I had on some leggings, some leggings and a tank top that were fitted. So I just put the pants on over my leggings. That's how trifling I was. I was like, okay, it fit, if, it, if it can fit over this, it fits me fine. And so I go to come out of the locker room, of the fitting room, and it was locked. It would not open. <laughs> I am in this four by, what, 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 four by four box. Now, I've been in the jail cell before. At least that was six by, six by eight or something <laughs> like that. Well, this is like four by four, okay? Another story, another time. <laughs> and so I'm like, okay, this thing really, I'm jiggling it. I'm doing everything that I know to do. I'm jiggling it. I'm, I'm lifting it, trying to pull it. I'm doing everything. I shake it. And so, okay, it's not opening. So I said, okay, now step two, start yelling. Hey, I'm in here. Somebody come and get me out. It won't open. Da, 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 da. So I have to do this for about five minutes because the lady is far away from me. And in the meantime, no one's really paying attention to me. The music is loud. The people are talking. So I'm screaming. And I'm in there. And so for a second there, I'm like, okay, I got I'm thinking about everything I have yet to do. I'm sweaty. I'm funky. I'm impatient. I'm ready to go. 
And so I'm screaming and yelling, I'm yelling, and so my emotions are starting to escalate, like, uh, I'm not afraid to be in here, but I don't want to be in here. And so with all that, finally, somebody finally comes, they try to get me out, they can't get me out, they pass me a screwdriver, we un I unscrew the locks and everything else, it still wouldn't open. I'm like, Satan, you are a lie. So I took a videotape. I should have sent it to them to, to, to show the videotape. Because after a while, I couldn't help. I'm going to do one or two things. I'm going to get angry and start acting a fool. And you know, if you're from the city, you know how to do that real well. <laughs> or I'm going to laugh about this situation. And so there was a stool in there. So I just said, I started laughing. I, I mean, I couldn't help. I, I was like, I cannot believe this is happening to me. This is hilarious. This is funny. I'm, but in the meantime, my head is calculating what, how much time I'm taking, what I still have to do. I'm funky. I'm starting to offend myself and everything's going. <laughs> and so while this is going on, I'm sitting there and they're trying, ma'am, I'm sorry. We're trying to get somebody out here. Da, 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 da. So, I mean, for some reason, the thing just would not, I mean, we took, I unscrewed the knob and the lock. It would not move. You know how you can just take the screwdriver, just push the little lock. It wouldn't move. And so while I'm in there, of course, people are starting to crowd around, but there's other people going on about their business. And I noticed that one side, somebody was talking, they were talking about all the things that's going on in politics and how they're scared because on one hand, we got Kim Jong-un going on. Now that he have made China mad, he, we still got issues going on with Russia. We're like at odds with all the supernatural superpowers that's going on in politics. And I mean, this mother and daughter or whoever the two women were, they were just having a real conversation over there. And he um, eventually got me out, and just the goodness of God, the lady was like, ma'am, I'm so sorry for your inconvenience. Whatever you want in the store, take it. <laughs> uh, anything! No, but, uh, th th you know, there was a, a very, very nice jacket. I had just told my daughter the day before that I would really like to have this jacket, but I didn't think I wanted to pay. I'm just one of those people. I like shopping, but I never like shopping and buying something whole, fully, wholesale. Uh, I mean, full price. I just have to feel like I got a deal. And so <laughs> I wasn't going to do it. And she's like, oh, yeah, you can have that. Is there anything else you want? And so, you know, young, young minority woman, general manager of a very predominant store. And I was like, I'm not going to mess with your inventory. <laughs> so, uh, no, that's good. So, you know, went on my way. But the, the, the conversation that I overheard was going on in my mind. And I get back to the room, take a shower, and I'm turning on the news. And sure enough, it's all over the news and all this is going. And it's like this, I, I, it's like my brain opened up and I started seeing things from a different perspective. And I saw this dark cloud of fear just sort of sweeping over, when I looked out the window, like as, it was as if a dark cloud of fear was sweeping over this country. And so, what does all this have to do with last week's resurrection and what we're talking about today as far as now what? We're going to take a look at the last 50 days of Jesus. And we're going to talk a little bit about what he came to say 2,000 years ago and how it's become more and more evident and ramped up today. Um, and it's not a doom and gloom situation or, 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 or message today as much as it is something that I'm hoping will stoke your fire as it did mine. Um, because I, I spent 
half of my vacation just reading over and over and over the Gospels, reading over and over and over. What were you saying? What was the point? And it's just like this formula blurred out. Actually, the beginning of the formula blared out at me yesterday, but then it really took like a 3D, a 4D effect this morning. And so if you're following on version, which we typically have our notes by way of version, just know that I'm deviating from the notes a little bit, but you'll be able to catch on. So, but but in, 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 in a little bit... That's a good thing because now you just have to pay more specific attention. Amen? And that's a great thing. So, we just celebrated the Festival of the Resurrection. We just got through commemorating and retelling the story of Jesus' life, death, burial, and resurrection. We went over and rehearsed promises. We talked about the, our eternity. We remind ourselves that we are God's agents of justice, love, mercy, and faith. But now what? What do we do next? And what Jesus did in the last 50 days of his ministry spoke to, any, spoke to everything that we're supposed to be about today. The last 50 days of his ministry spoke everything to what we're supposed to be about today. And really, synoptically, he spent a lot of time talking about it in the, that week from Palm Sunday to the resurrection. He spent a lot of time talking about it in that week. But he came back and summarized it and capped it all up with the commission on that last 40 days that he was here on the earth. So, I'm going to be skipping around some scriptures for a little bit, but we're going to spend some time just really looking at it. So, in Jesus' last 50 days, what did he talk about? Who did he target? What was the point? What did he do? What did he emphasize? What are we supposed to be about today? I cannot do this in totality, but I want you to get the gist of what he was talking about in my little three points, then nine points, then ten points, whatever the case may be. So, number one, what did Jesus do? In his last 50 days of ministry, number one, Jesus warned. Jesus warned. And that if you're thinking about it, if you know you got seven days on the earth left, you got seven days to seal your legacy. We heard a wonderful story about a couple that passed away not too long ago, a couple, uh, last, a couple weeks ago. And this couple had been married since they were 16, 17, 18 years old, young, long time. Accomplished great things in ministry. And they had committed that they were going to leave this earth together. And so when the husband said, I saw the two angels and I'm ready to go. And the wife was like, no, you ain't leaving before me. So I don't know what you're talking about. What you, whatever you saw, you're just going to have to tell them to hold up, Jesus. Because you ain't leaving this earth before me. And, and the story goes on, if I can recall correctly, that uh, she, the wife got up, sure enough, on one morning, and she was supposed to go di get dialysis. She'd been getting dialysis for years and years and years. And this morning, she just got up and said, I don't feel like going. And the family laughed it off and said, yeah, come on, mama, let's go. And she gets out to the car, puts her hand up on, on the roof of the car, and says, Lord, Jesus, help me. She gets in the car, closes the door, sits there, and leaves. Leaves two or three days after he said they're coming to get me. And so she's gone, they go in. Of course, the family is mourning, but the husband's like, All right, well, do not make plans yet because you're gonna have to do us together. The husband says, Do not make plans yet for mama's burial because we're leaving together. And so they, he gathers the family. The whole family comes. They spend time in praise and worship, exchanging stories, just a glorious situation. And when they do all of this, he says, well, I'm ready to go. He goes to sleep, and less than a week later, he gone. Sure enough, they had the, 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 that couple services together a few days later. And so 
they left a legacy in that family in their last few days that says that basically God is faithful and this next transition, it's not a death, it's just a transition. I'm moving. This ain't the end, I'm just getting started. And so Jesus in his last seven days on this side of heaven, on this side of resurrection, he's warning and saying, hey, this is what's about to happen. I'm about to die, buried. I'm going to rise in three days, but that's not it. Yeah, that's what I'm about to do, but listen, that's baby food. This is what I really need to tell y'all. So turn with me, if you would, at Luke 21. In Luke chapter 21, I'm just going to read it um, as abbreviated as I can. Jesus says in verse 7, teacher, when we see these things be, because Jesus is saying, hey, in the last days, perilous times are going to come. And listen, people are going to act a fool. Wars are going to rise up. People are not going to like each other for no other reason but by the way they look and what they, what they think about their cultures. And then he says, Jesus says in verse 8, take heed that you do not be deceived, for many will come in my name, saying, I'm he, that the, and the time is near. Therefore, don't go after them. But when you hear the wars and commotions, he said, don't be afraid. These things must come first, but the end will not come immediately. He says, when you're going to hear these rumors and all this stuff is happening, but he says, but the end is not yet. He said, nations are going to rise against nations, kingdoms against kingdoms. There will be great earthquakes in various places, famines, pestilence, and there will be fearful sights and great signs from heaven. But before these things, they will lay down their hands on you and persecute you, delivering you up to the synagogues and prisons. You'll be brought before kings and rulers in my name. Now, he was talking about a time soon after the resurrection, but how many of you know, as the time draws near, because God, Jesus, God operates in the yesterday, today, and forever. And he was speaking to what would happen immediately, which it did. But it was also a precursor of what's to come when he finally rises up once and for all. And he says, therefore, in verse 14, settle in your hearts not to meditate beforehand on what you will answer. Don't spend time thinking about what's coming. For, and then he goes on to say in verse 17, and you will be hated for, by all for my name's sake, but not a hair of your hair shall be lost by your patience possess your souls. Luke 21, verse 25, I'm skipping down. He says, and there will be signs in the sun, the moon, the stars, and on the earth, distress of nations with perplexity, the sea and the waves roaring, men's hearts failing them from fear and the expectation of those things which are coming on the earth for powers of the heavens will be shaken. And they will see the Son of Man coming in the cloud with power and great glory. But take heed to yourselves, lest your hearts be weighed down with carousing and drunkenness and cares of this life. And that day come on you unexpectedly, for it will come as a snare on all those who dwell on the face of the earth. Watch, therefore, and pray always that you may be counted worthy to escape all these things that will come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. Now, Jesus is inciting his listeners to shift their focus because you're not getting what I'm telling you as far as my death, burial, and resurrection, but just understand that these things are going to happen, and I need for you to shift the focus not so much on me and what you see right now, but shift the focus back on the great picture, the bigger picture, what's really coming down the pipe, because see, Baby girl, baby boy, you're going to be tested. You're with me now because I'm here. But there's going to come a day where I'm not going to be here, and you're going to be tested. And then you need to know beyond a shadow of a doubt, my coming back, my resurrection is to seal what I'm telling you right now. When I say don't fear, my coming back will be to seal why you don't need to fear. 
when I'm telling you that these things will happen, my coming back is to seal the fact that when these things happen, I'm with you. And he goes on to talk about, give another example of these things later on. Same story, but he goes on to talk about and expound about it a little bit later on in Matthew. Now, when he starts talking about what's coming, and we'll talk about that in the next point, but when he's spending this time talking about what's to come, he's vesting his energy, letting them know that, hey, you cannot put your trust in man. Hey, you will be tested. So guess what? You can't vest all your trust in yourself either. But after you, you work through your own emotions and you get, you, you, you get through your feelings and everything else, I need for you to know that I am here with you. I got you. And my coming back, my resurrection is to seal the fact that when hard times come, I will be with you. I will never leave you. Just have faith in me. Now, understand this. There is a, he, 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 when he's talking about these, these things, there's a historical pattern that has evolved in the rise and falls of nations. And I talked about this a long time ago, but I thought it was worthy of me going back over this. Because when you talk about history, and I'm just one of those people, I love studying people, events, happenings, history. I love, you know, just listening to that. Of all the things that I could have been thinking about in that doggone fitting room and, and the how I was smelling and what I was looking like. That's why I didn't post a video, because I'm like, I look like a hot mess. I'm interested in what this other, whoever they were in the next room, whatever, next to me, it really intrigues me. I was blessed with a book um, by one of our deacons. Uh, it was written by Napoleon Hill. It was one of his unpublished works. Actually, it was published long after he had passed away. And it was uh, I can't, my conversation with Satan. I'm sorry? Outwitting the devil. Outwit the, yeah, you're the one who gave it to me. Outwitting the devil. <laughs> and, um, and basically, he was talking about this revelation that he had about how the enemy operates, and he's so, he's so strategic in distractions. He is so strategic in distractions, and if you've spent a lot of time, I'm bringing this up because social media, if you look in the, if you, I mean, everyone has a voice today, and that's a good thing, and it's a bad thing. If you look at the and I love my millennials. I have two I-generation kids in my home. So I love that they are very, very knowledgeable. You, you notice that these younger people, they're very, and you can have a conversation with them. And you can say something, they are fact-checking you right then and there. Y'all talk to somebody that's young, and they got that phone, you one of them too. Talking to Kelsey right there. You'll say something, well, you know uh, the, 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 the tariff situation. You can make a comment about something. They fact check, well, according to this, da 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 My kids do it to me. I'm like, give me the doggone phone. Your mama has a direct connection to the Holy Spirit, and everything I say is true and correct. But in this social media environment and with all that's going on, I mean, the phone and the ability to tweet and, and Instagram something has become a weapon. 
that's sparring off wars. I mean, that's just people just jack-legging comments and opinions as if they were facts and truths. And it's causing stuff to happen. And what's crazy about everything is that no one knows the full story. Even when we look at it's horrendous, this whole issue about police brutality. But the reality is, I, I, my brother is a full is a sergeant in the police department of Detroit. He sees stuff happening, and he always gives me perspective. I know what the video show, but Trish, you got to think about this right here. This right here. This, I mean, it's horrendous to be shot in your own backyard twenty times. In the back six of those, it's horrendous to think about that. But I still don't know the full story. So guess what I don't have? I don't have much of an opinion. I don't have judgment. I don't even have a decision because it's not my decision to make. It's not my opinion to form, especially the most dangerous thing we could do is form an opinion and act upon it and not have the full story. We'll find ourselves playing for the wrong team. And that's exactly what Jesus is talking about. Be careful in these last days. Hey. All I need for you to do is trust me, and I got you. And I was talking about the, 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 the pattern of the rise and falls of nations. And this is typically the rise, if you study any great empire throughout history, and even today, this formula reigns true. And I don't want to get into all the biblical studies about it, but it's been hashed out biblically throughout the entire Old Testament. When you talk about the rise and fall of a nation, typically a group of people go from bondage to a spiritual freedom, number one. From bondage to spiritual freedom, then from spiritual freedom, they go to courage. That's number two. From spiritual freedom to courage. Number three, they go from courage to prosperity. You all took American history. They were in bondage over there in Great Britain. They come over here in the name of, we want spiritual freedom. We don't want to pay the queen's taxes no more. We want to live our lives. <laughs> I visited the Jamaicas, the sea. It wasn't all that. We've been made to believe a type of propaganda, but I ain't going to get into all that, but you know. Do your homework. Study. Read some books. Anyway, we go from courage to prosperity. We, we, get, we go for the fight. And we say, hey, God is on our side. If God be for us, who can be against us? We believe in the promises, and then we prosper. Number four, but we go from prosperity to abundance, the superpower. This country has become a superpower because of its prosperity. Not because of its moral ethics and this ethical behavior and its, and its grandiose contributions to society and the global community. You know, it, 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 it started on the right track, but then after some time, it starts ebbing away, and we get to this place of abundance. And abundance always breeds selfishness. Number five, abundance leads to selfishness. This is, if this is in a nation, just know that it starts with its people. And this is, I'm going through this because as believers, we're no different. If you are not careful, you'll get caught up in this cycle. And as believers, we'll find ourselves a kingdom going through the same process. So abundance leads to selfishness. Then number six, selfishness leads to complacency. It ain't my business. 
I don't need nothing to do with that. Give. Give for what? Ain't doing nothing for me. What? Pray. Dude, I don't need your prayers. I need $25 right now. Complacency. Not wanting to get involved. Not wanting to contribute. Not wanting to live according to the big picture. See, you know, we love you. We, we, Pastor Gregory and I love you. And we know and believe that Linked Up Church loves us. But guess what? There are people over at World Changer that loves us. There are people at Faith Christian Center that love us. There are people at other churches that love us. We're one body. And when you connect to a local body, the local church, understand you're not, you, your intentions should not be to connect to a person or personality, you're connecting to a vision. And when you connect to a vision, short of just outrageous behavior, nothing deters you because you're going forward in a vision. When we were in Europe a few summers ago, we visited Notre Dame. You know it took over 100 years to build that place? Not because the architect was just a great speaker and orator, not because they just had this great preacher and priest that wanted to build this monument of, a, of, of architect. No, they wanted to build an outstanding, beautiful, sound, uh, soundly effective, acoustically effective palace and place of worship for God. And these people committed through generations. And, it took, and at one point, it dropped for about, what, 20, 30 years and picked it back up. And it took them over 100 years to build this. Because they're connected to a vision. And when you're connected to a vision and that vision is in line with God, then guess what? You'll prosper. Every marriage should have a vision. Every family should have a vision. And ultimately that vision is for the purpose, the sole purpose, the singular purpose of glorifying the Father by fulfilling his will. Period. I think we're great people. I'm married to a wonderful guy. But we have flaws. We have issues. We're misunderstood just like you're misunderstood. We're misinterpreted just like you're misinterpreted. We are flesh and blood like you're flesh and blood. We rise, we fall. We get up. The difference sometimes is that some people can take more blows than others. Sometimes that's the only difference. When you go from selfishness, you go to complacency. Number seven, Complacency leads to apathy. Complacency leads to apathy, where we just don't care about one another anymore. It takes outrage to unite people. It all of a sudden takes the ridiculous to get people on one accord. If this stuff that's been happening in social media and all this, it's been happening for ages. It's been happening for ages. Martin Luther King was genius. It wasn't that he was just got up and said, I'm going, to, I'm going to be the revolutionist. I'm going to be the one to... No, he was very strategic in his efforts. He says, you know what? I need places to go where the cameras can come because we need to expose the evil. Because this country has gotten apathetic towards what's going on against black Americans. And he was very strategic. He didn't just march to be marching. Folks out here marching, ain't nobody, don't nobody know nothing about it. My daughter come telling me I'm going to do the sit out. 
uh, what is this set about and what's the purpose, what's the goal and what's the accomplishment? Because if there's no end goal in this, you just skipping school. You, we can't be, causes are great, but the way you address it in these days has to be intentional. It has to be strategic. Everyone on the bandwagon because, hey, ah. <laughs> He was very, Martin Luther King was very strategic in shining an eye on what's going on because he realized that this nation had become very apathetic about the plight of minorities in this country. And see, right now, we're on inf information overload. So what's happened is that <laughs> it's not that we want to see. We're seeing too much. Now we want to shut our eyes. People are like, I don't eat. just give me Hulu and Netflix, and I'm good. I don't need to see nobody news. I don't want to see nothing. Just keep me entertained. Again, distraction. Complacency leads to apathy. Number eight, apathy leads to dependence. And this is where the country is right about now. We're right at number seven and number eight, right about now, where apathy leads to dependence. In other words, we think other people should be doing stuff for us. Like somebody owes me something. I go to work 40 hours a day. I show up. I do what I'm supposed to do. You owe me a raise. If you're doing what you're supposed to do, I owe you what I pay you. It's those that strive. It's those that are innovative. It's those that come to work early. It's those that stay at work late. It's those that put in ideas, those that are able. That's when you've earned something beyond. Now, that's when the promotions come. And I'm not saying this because I'm, I, I'm a boss as much as I've lived this. I, I started like a, a, a little lifeguard with the city of Detroit. Working and, and, and then doing what I'm trying to do to just make the, uh, the, the, the they put, I mean, to, to make the department or where, where I was better. I go in the locker rooms and pick up all the nasty little stuff these little girls leaving behind in pools. I'm the one that's rounding them up and checking these kids. I'm the one when there's a gang fight trying to bust up gang fights, getting jawed myself. Then they say, well, this girl tough. Let's put her in the worst situations. They put me in the worst situations. I'm, I'm one of two girls, and there's about 12 guys because this is gang infested. And God uses my diligence, my strive, to promote me in that. It translated to other things, business. It translated to corporate America. It translated to many other areas. It's not about me, but it's about anybody. If you're just doing what you're supposed to do, praise the Lord. Job security. That's all that is. They might keep you. <laughs> but in the kingdom of God, we strive past that because we understand that we're doing what we do for the Lord and not for man. So therefore, when we do what we do for the Lord, we're striving to make it better. We're striving to shine. We're striving to make that thing glitter. And when it glitters, God says, I'll move folks out the way to promote you. So when we move from apathy, then we move to dependence, where we, where, whereby if, if, if the people aren't careful, they're relying on that tax return check. <laughs> Some of us already got that thing spent. <laughs> and then number nine, from dependence back to bondage. 
and the cycle starts all over again. And I don't think there's a greater example of this that we all are familiar with than the people of Israel during their time in Egypt. Because they were in great abundance. All was good when, when Joseph was on the scene. But over a two, three, four hundred year period, this whole formula played itself out. And here we are, the whole Passover, the whole covenant that was established back then that Jesus resurrected and does in, the, in what we just celebrated is made very known and very true. Today, America's teetered somewhere between number six and number eight. And as Christians, we can't afford to place our trust in the country or in man, but in the fact that who we are in God is who we are, but in God. Amen. Even our currency says in God we trust, but <laughs> where are we? So the first thing that Jesus came to do was he came to warn. Real quick, I'm just going to wrap it up here. Be, uh, Number one, he came to warn us as far as the country was concerned. But then there's a letter B. He warns us of how we ought to behave. Matthew 25, I'm just going to read verses 1 through 13 real quick. He says here, the kingdom of heaven shall be likened unto ten virgins. Let me paraphrase this for sake of time. Jesus says in Matthew 25, verses 1 through 13, he compares the church. He's saying the church is like ten virgins. And he says that of these ten virgins, five were fools and five were wise. There's no one in between. He says, in my church, there were, this is likened unto, I'm talking to believers. I'm talking to you that believe. I'm talking to my disciples. Hey, this is my warning to you, saints. This is my warning to you, disciples. This is my warning to you, men of God who's followed me diligently for the past 15, uh, three and a half years. This is my warning to you, daughters of God. This is my warning to you, mama, because mama's in the company too. The kingdom of God, my business, my church is likened unto ten virgins. And of these ten virgins, 50% of them were fools, 50% of them were wise. I wonder how true that is today. In his church, he said, I didn't say this. This ain't thus says Patricia Gregory. This is saying, this Jesus, this is red letters, hot sauce, y'all, this is real stuff. It's likened unto ten virgins where ten Five are fools and five are wise. And the wise ones, they collected their oils along with their lamps. That lamp being what? The light of God, the word of truth. And they had oil so that when that light started burning out, they knew to go back and refuel. Refuel. Keep that word sharp. Keep those promises in front of you. Joshua 1a says, this word of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but thou shalt meditate in it day and now, so that you shall observe. Who shall observe? You shall observe to do all that is written therein, and thou shalt make whose way prosper? Thy way prosper. So he's commanding you to meditate on his word, and in meditating on his word, you do what it says, and when you do what it says, you are empowered to prosper. You're empowered to prosper. So he says, and, and the other five that didn't have their oil, they had the word. They knew it. But when it ran out, goddamn, it sort of ran out. And when the, when the groomsmen came, he said, hey, I'm here. And they call out, hey, the groomsman is here. He's ready for his, his wives. And well, now this day, we only got one wife. But the groomsman is here. He's ready for his wives. And the five that had their oil was able to go in. But the other five, they had to go back and get theirs. And so I started by saying that I'm talking to the church today because we all have people that believe in God. 
we all know people that, you know, believe in God and, and their famous statements, but and God knows my heart. I don't need to go to church to prove that I love God. And I don't need to do this. I don't, I don't know. I got relatives like that. And at the end of the day, when we read Revelations, Jesus does not say he's coming back for John Doe or Jane Doe. My husband has said it. I've said it times before. I just, I've just changed my thinking on it. I don't believe it at all. No, I don't believe that it was just me. If it was just me on the earth, Jesus would come and do it all for me. No, I don't. Ooh, I could hear a church mouse right about now. I don't. You know why? Because when God wanted somebody, he was able to rapture them up. If it was just one in the earth, Jesus ain't about to pay that price for one. He's not. He just like he did with Elijah and just like he did with Enoch. He raptured them up. Like, you know what? Not, and Enoch, not because he was all that. It was because what? He pleased the Lord. He said, come on up, baby boy. Come on. I ain't going through all that. You ain't got to wait. Come on. It said he raptured him up. At the end of the day, when Jesus says he's coming back, he's coming back for the church. In fact, all of the letters says, I am addressing these seven churches. Deliver this message to these seven churches. In fact, the word church, ecclesia, the called out ones, is mentioned more in the book of Revelations than any other place in the Bible. And he's very specific because you know what? It is in the church that we sharpen one another. It is in the church that, yeah, you're getting on my nerves, but I choose to love you anyway. It is to the church that he says they will know you because of the love you have for one another. It's not because we're all going to get along well. It's not because we're all going to agree all the time. It's not even because we're all nice and joyous and cheery and rich. He says, but because we love one another beyond our own flesh. So when we look at what Jesus did in his last 50 days of ministry, first thing he did, he came was to warn. He warned about the political times and the era of people. But he also warned the church as to how we're supposed to behave. And when he warned us about how we're supposed to behave, guess what? It is in that that we don't have to deal with and care about what's going on with the church, with, with the political climate. So many people are afraid today. It was just announced that the Chinese are now backing their yen with gold. What? Because don't nothing back the United States dollar. You do know that, right? Don't nothing. Everybody going out selling their gold to get some money right now. You don't know, but that gold is the undercurrent for global currency. Stay woke. So everybody's scared right now because... Trump is picking a fight with China, and, you know, China owns most of our debt. We owe China big time. He picking a fight with Mexico. All this mess going on. And it's easy to say, I'm not going to Mexico. Because they, they're mad at us because of the wall and Trump and everything. I'm always curious as to what other countries think about <laughs> our situation. It's just interesting. And if you pay attention to what other people got to say, you ain't leaving your household. <laughs> you wrapping your car up in bubble wrap. <laughs> you spraying your kids down every morning with some type of antibiotic. 
you popping <laughs> you just in case I'm going to conclude here but the first thing that Jesus came to do one of the last, in his last 50 days of ministry he came to warn and when he warned he let us know that these things were going to happen but we can remain confident in this and that we will see the salvation of the Lord. In fact, he says in Matthew chapter 6, take no concerns or worries about what tomorrow will bring because it has worries insufficient of itself. But just deal with today. Let's just live in today. And in today, there's enough issues for you to deal with all by yourself. Because today, I need you to trust me. Today, I need you to obey. Today, I need you to listen. Let's do that today. And if you do that today, guess what? I'm working at your tomorrow, boo-boo. It's all good because I said that, lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the earth. He said heaven and earth will pass away, but guess what? My word, it will remain forever. I ain't going nowhere, and it ain't going nowhere. As long as you connected to that, yeah, now truly you can rest in. If anybody before you, who can be against you? If God is for you, who can be against you? 1,000 may come at my right hand, 10,000 at my left, but it won't come near me because I am connected to eternal life. Truly, that song reigns true. Yes, as long as you are connected to God and what we celebrated last night, last week resonates with you from that day forward, every year, every day, every week, every hour, every moment. Yes, you can remain confident in this. You can see, you will see the salvation of the Lord in your marriage, in your family, in your finances, in your health, in your community, in your workplace. You will. Amen. You all receive anything out of that? Praise God. So let's not allow ourselves, because see, now you've been informed. And God takes seriously what we do with the information we gather. And let's not fall victim to this pattern. Let's, be, let's remain forever fervent about the things of God. Never getting complacent to this place where we're just, you know, it's a joke, but it's a sad joke. An EMC. You all, how many of you know what EMCs are? Y'all are like, I don't know what EMC is. If I said it, you knew what you would know. Those that only attend church during Easter, Christmas, and Mother's Day. <laughs> Thank God. You'd rather have them come at least three times a year than none. But there's a lost and dying world out there, y'all, that depends on all. There's about 600 people, five, 600 people in here right now in this building. They depend on you for light. They depend on you for hope. They depend on you for life. They depend on you for something that's right, something that's good, something that's joyous. And the world is getting dimmer. And this is where the body of Christ turns it up. Understand that it's not always going to feel good, but it pays out great, great dividends. I was locked in that little fitting room 20, 30 minutes I was inconvenienced 20, 30 minutes. We might have to suffer some things 20, 30 minutes, but I got whatever I wanted in the store. And she would have gave me more. 
check this out. What she asked in return, she still, even though I was inconvenienced, even though I you know, wasn't too pleased to be in there, after she did what she did for me, she handed me a card and said, would you fill out a survey? Basically just saying, I was good to you. When you think about the goodness of God, you have had to endure some things. You asked God, where are you? When that child just bucked up. You asked God, where are you? In the midst of me needing a job to take care of these kids. You might have asked God, where are you when you got that diagnosis? You were in a two-by-two two or four-by-four four room feeling all by yourself. But see, there's the Holy Spirit on the outside getting you out. And not only will he get you out, but he also says, now, what do you want? You endured, so what do you want? You kept praise in your mouth, so what do you want? You kept a smile on your face, so what do you want? You kept faith in me, so what do you want? I'll give you anything in the storehouse. But all I want in return is for you to just let people know that I was good to you. So now, what are you going to do with that message? What are you going to do with that information? While every head is bowed, while every tongue is in an attitude of prayer right now, there's a line being drawn in the sand. I serve you notice that you are not flesh and blood having a spiritual experience, as I've heard it once said, but you are a spirit having a physical flesh and blood experience. You are a spirit man, a spirit woman. There is an eternity for you to be had, but you get to determine where you will spend your eternity. You get to determine what kind of life you live on this here earth. You get to determine what team you're going to play for. You get to determine what truth you will adopt. Will you adopt the truth or will you just settle in your truth? Because everyone has different truths out there. But there's only one truth that has endured the test of time and his name is Jesus. And when he says he'll never leave you nor forsake you, you can count on that word as being bond like nothing else. So if you have not received Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, in other words, if that sky was a crack open right now and he raptures his saints, will you be in that number? Can you say definitively, I know that I am saved because, and turn open that book and say, this is where I know that I'm saved. I believe in my heart and I confess with my mouth. So if you've never believed, received Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, making him master and the captain of your eternity, I want to pray with you. Or perhaps you have, but you know between you and God that you've taken the position of God knows my heart. But guess what? You're right. He knows your heart. You will do what's in your heart. You will say what's in your heart. He never looked on your outward appearance in the first place. He never measured your intentions in the first place. Jesus knows the heart of man. And if you know in your heart that you've lived a life contrary to what you know would be pleasing to God, I would love to pray with you. I would love to hug your neck, to love on you, 
Because God says that, hey, you might have messed up, but guess what? I'm still here. I haven't left you yet. In fact, I'm forever married to you. I couldn't go nowhere if I wanted to. And if you want to recommit your life to God, hey, I would love to pray with you and do what I just said. Or perhaps you want to, you've heard about this baptism of the Holy Spirit with the Bible evidence of speaking in tongues. You heard about it. People have even made jokes about it. But listen, it's not a funny thing, nor is it a spooky thing. It's a real experience. It's a subsequent experience to your salvation. And it's the Holy Spirit just giving you that heavenly language that directly connects you to heaven. It's that language that the enemy can't understand. And if you would like to learn more about that, we would love to give you that information so that you can calm your understanding. So if you'd like to learn more about that, I'd love to pray with you and give you that information. And finally, if you are floating between churches and you haven't set your foot and rooted in one church, but you believe Linked Up Church is a church home for you, you want to receive Pastor Gregory and myself as your pastors. We are honored to serve you. We are committed to teaching you the Word of God. We are passionate about your victory and your winning. We truly, we're, we're both team players. So we believe that we're only as successful as the weakest link. And if that's you, you want to learn more about becoming a member of Linked Up Church, I'd love to pray with you about that as well and give you that information. So while every head is bowed, every person is in an attitude of prayer, if any of those four invitations apply to you, would you please lift your hand up in